This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where this month they are highlighting local and family-owned Crowley Wines in Newburgh. They produce only 2,500 cases each year, and their specials feature Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, and Rosé. Stop into uh, Zupan's and see what's uh, get some great deals. Also, a few events you don't want to miss at the Breezeway at Lake Grove. Different dates for their popular lobster and clam bakes. They also have the Mediterranean Feast. I love this one, Hawaiian-style pig roast. And the prime rib and shrimp dinners. So you can go to zoopans.com for all that. Also, this is really important. Burgers on Thursday and Friday at the Lake Grove and McAdam locations. That kicks off May 24th and 25th, going into Memorial Day weekend. Right, those in the afternoon. So check yeah. the website for the actual times, which you're also going to want to go to to check their tastings. They have great selections of beer and wine. I know this weekend, which may have passed by the time you listen to this, but includes Ninkasi and even some a canned wine tasting. Nice as well. Um, and so get on the news feed at Zupan so you get that information up top, and you also get their free, sometimes you get a, I got free bounty, brownie bites yes, last week. that's right. It's great. Mm-hmm. From, and those are from St. Honoré makes those. One thing you'll discover at Zupan's, it's got a great bread selection. Yeah, they it's do. one of my favorite things. They have from Ken, Ken's Artisan to St. Honoré, New Cascadian for the, our gluten-free friends. Yep. And, uh, of course, Dave's Killer and other brands as well. I have to throw in, I don't know where they get it. It's actually Zupan's branded non-bread. Whenever we're eating curry at my house, I have mm-hmm. to go to Zupan's to get the non-bread and toast that up on the oven. Oh, man, it's good. Oh, yes. So the, good. I thought I, th- I thought it was N-O-N you were talking about. You're talking about N-A-N. N-A-N. Great. Non, non, non-bread. Zupan's.com, yep. right? Three locations. You can go to Lake Grove, McAdam, and, of course, West Burnside, and always Zupan's.com. time once again for portland's food scene podcast right at the fork and a classic episode of right at the fork a business that is quickly becoming a classic around the country oh yeah especially around the country of course we're talking about salt and straw right wait wait hold on let me do this first chris angeles portland food adventures but salt and straw should come before us but they really should did you bring some (laughs) well it's all melted right here we We have some of missy mackey's cookies yeah we do Anyway, Chris Angeles, I'm Court Johnson from Kink FM, and uh, yeah, w- w- this is it's always great to talk about Salt and Straw because it's one of the, the great success stories of Portland, and uh, we spoke with Tyler. How long ago was this? This was a couple of years ago yeah. that he came on, and then we later had Kim, his cousin, who's the co-owner yep. of Salt and Straw. She was on episode number 126, so if mm-hmm. you want to refer to that, but to to your point, uh, there's going to be more inf- more uh, to learn about Salt and Straw as time goes on. So we'll always be able to have them back right. to learn. You know, now they're opening a Disneyland yeah, location. Yeah, D- Disneyland uh, Downtown Disney is where they're going to be. Right, and they're just opened. I don't know if it opened yet, but Lake it's Oswego. about to open Lake Oswego. They're, uh, they're open. Right. Yeah. So, um, and that is, uh, you know, that's something that a lot of Portlandy businesses aren't doing. It's going right. into places like Lake Oswego or Disneyland. Right. They're getting some guidance from the. Uh, the the Shake Shack guy. So Tyler, who is this? Is a whiz kid. Mm-hmm. No, you know I love that these puns just come right down and right, right are fed to me. Whiz bang bar, whiz bang, right, which is bar. the other one. That's so, at Pine Street Market. Mm-hmm. Tyler and I. Um, this interview was really enjoyable. 
He's an animated guy. He's young. I always marvel at how someone so young could have gone so far. Yeah. And and there's nobody who's not rooting for Tyler and Kim. Um, and they're great people. It's a it's a it's a fun business. And you listen to this, uh, any of our Salt and Straw podcasts, you'll hear how to spend a little less time in line. Yep. But you know, I've noticed there's there's not always a line. If you you, if do, you, if you time it right, right, yeah, you're okay. You can yep. go get some. So, Head out to Lake um, Oswego. Yeah, you can do that. But I was uh, by one of them uh, on Alberta, right across from the original, um, right? My my new favorite little spot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so proud, Mary. Right, right across the street. I was by there the other day at lunchtime. You can go walk right in, get a cone. Very nice. So, uh, but at any rate, Tyler Malik. Uh, Salt and Straw, pleasure to have him in a few years ago and bring it back to the fore right now. Hey, Chris, before we uh, before we get to the classic episode, though, we need to talk about some of your great events coming up. Just quickly. Yeah. Uh, the big events are in the fall. We're traveling with Chef Jose Chesa to Barcelona. Yep. Uh, our fourth trip. We have given it a green light. We have enough folks to actually go now, and we it's a great group of people. You don't get the opportunity to see Barcelona through the eyes and palate of uh, someone who grew up there who is now one of Portland's best chefs. So, uh, as I said, our fourth time, check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com under trips where you also see we have a couple of spots left for our trip to Sicily, 10 days with my dear friend, Ostri Ensign, and um, that's there as well. You'll also find... We're going to interview Jeff Larson, the new chef at Tanner Creek Tavern, next week. Depending on when you listen to this, you just may want to search for it. Uh, But we have an event uh, June 13th introducing Jeff. He came up from Napa Valley. He's he's got some chops. And um, that's uh, Portland Food Adventures, June 13th at Tanner Creek Tavern. So, of course, you can always get all that information at your website, Chris, portlandfoodadventures.com. And you can follow us on Instagram, which we enjoy. You can see my new puppy. Sure. Who doesn't oh. love puppies? If Kodak. You don't, you don't, Kodak, you're Kodak, crazy. Kodak the Golden Doodle at uh, Portland Food ADV on Instagram. Very nice. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans, on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove, and at Zupans.com. Eat well, put taste first, love your food. Ringside Hospitality Group. Owned by the Peterson family for nearly 75 years, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape. And Ringside Fish House, in the heart of downtown, boasts the freshest seafood and an exceptional wine list. Both serve the world-famous onion rings that James Beard claimed to be the best he's ever had. Visit ringsidesteakhouse.com and ringsidefishhouse.com and make a reservation today. Join right at the Four Coast Chris Angelus for once-in-a-lifetime trips this fall to eat and sip your way through Sicily, Mexico City, and PFA's famous trip with Italo chef Jose Chesa to Barcelona. See the exciting itineraries at portlandfoodadventures.com and find Chris's contact information there too. If you love food and travel, these trips are for you. And make sure to check in on local PFA events. And by San Pellegrino. Iconic, fresh, 
Sparkling water with extraordinary Italian heritage is a refreshing way to enhance any dining experience. Ask for San Pellegrino by name next time you're having a great meal. Ever since its founding in 1899, San Pellegrino has been a premium brand synonymous with style. Thanks for uh, trying to work it out. I know you're busy. Oh no, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm normally not this hard to get a. It wasn't hard. Okay, good. You were easy. Good, good. So, well, thank no, you I appreciate it. And that's actually that's a good question. You got to be a busy guy. I mean, like super busy. I we don't know. That's why we have you here. To talk <laughs> a little bit about it. But you got to be really busy. And by the way, if you don't like those headphones, you don't have to oh, wear no. them. My hair is just a yeah. But you don't need them. So if you can hear me, small room. You're good. I like them. I feel cool. Yeah. No, it is. It's kind of. You want to spin some records while yeah. we're here. Uh, um, shake it off. But you got to be a really busy person doing what you're doing, and you were genuinely. Um, willing and interested in coming down to meet with us today and that's great so how do you is that something that you um you specifically because you've got to be asked to do a lot of things so you have to judge whether you know you have so much time you have to decide what you're going to do yeah so it seems to me and it seems to heather we were just talking about this that you you want to do whatever you can to promote salt and straw and that does is is that where you come from because the first thing is you're a chef right yeah no i think it's um for me it's it's more so like i want to i want to constantly align our company with people that i like and things that i think are cool or you know like things that i want to be a part of and never said no to a meeting but said no to plenty of interviews just because it's it's one of those things you want to be like like this podcast, for example, it's so special, and it's like you're all, you're talking with like very special people around the city, and I think that's like I want to be part of that, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's a few like every once in a while we work with schools, and whenever we get a chance to talk about how important our sc- you know the creativity in elementary schools, and like I that's something that I really want to talk about. Um, you know, being on Chopped is not something I want to do. <laughs> Have you been? You've probably been asked by almost all the. I mean, we get a few of those every once in a while rolling in, and it's that's like a. I don't know. That's not what I'm here for. I don't think. So does Kim have influence on you, with regard to? Because this is you know these kind of things are, what you like to do. They align as you just said. They align your brand with things that are cool, and I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, but but also it's a marketing. You know, it's part yeah. of your marketing. And you guys do, obviously, we'll talk about it, but there are things that you do at Salt and Straw that are different than, have to be different than anybody else. Yeah. Other than your ice cream and how delicious delicious it is, there have to be some things you're doing to create those lines around the block. And some of those are just, you're everywhere. And, you know, yeah. if you go to any food event, there you are, and with a smile on your face. And you're, as I said, you're a busy person. So... Is that part of the? I think everybody out, everybody who listens wants to know what did Salt and Straw do? Yeah, that's different than everyone else. I think um, pretty early we mapped out what's important to us, and um, and a lot of it fits with our core. You know, like we figured out what those core values were, and it seems so cheesy, but that's, you know, we we want to support education and we want to support um, equal rights. 
And whenever we get an opportunity to to stand behind that or to promote like something good that's going on in our community, it's that's what we want to be and that's what we want to do. And it's cool. Like we always imagine our ice cream is almost like the soapbox to tell stories. And um, I think our company is the same way, you know. So for there's an event that's supporting no kids hungry. Of course, we want to be a part of that. So did that that was from the get go because I'm going to even go back further to the moment. Actually, let's do that and let's work up. But okay, from the get go, you you had the the mission statement, and that was to do good things in the community. So from there, obviously, there had to be a business plan that's part of it, and so you have to marry the two. A lot of people say, let, well, let me get going first, and then we'll worry about charity and we'll do what we can. Yeah, was the charity component uh, a big part of it? As yeah, I think we had that part before we even had ice cream. Honestly, we, um, Kim and I, uh, our backgrounds, we wanted to start something that could almost it could be a direct part of the community and um, where we could almost be this spot where people gather and people meet each other and get kind of that full face attention for a little bit. And um, it just so happened that ice cream be is like that. You know, ice cream is that that epicenter where you can try a thousand different ingredients and you can still get your you know uh get a scoop of your favorite flavor but you get to like interact with people and sample as many as you'd like and Plus meet people ha- in line it's a happy experience oh always yeah there, you, no one's waiting in line that is like uh you know oh yeah. is this worth it and it's fun yeah. too like we've we've heard like the coolest stories in lines like people are getting job offers in line and we've got um every once in a while we'll like replace a flavor and there's a uh, there's a you know, either a happy birthday message or we've actually had uh, marriage proposals in line. So wow. it's a, yeah. You need to have a little video of, well, you probably do. <laughs> that. So let's go back. Uh, so uh, that's very interesting because that's hard to envision. You know, the first time I uh, experienced salt and straw was outside of aviary when it was a mm-hmm. little food cart and I just stuffed myself at aviary and I walked out and, you know, of course in Portland, this is the, syndrome all the time man i'm full but i have to have some of that so i i went home with some strawberry balsamic uh black pepper and something else i don't remember what it was but at the, in the food when you're having a food cart you can't envision all those things yeah you, when you're at the point of a food cart what was the initial what where, where can you go back to the initial moment if we were doing the movie of salt and straw when did kim and you hook up what was the moment of discussion to talk about salt and straw and what you what you mu- wanted to do? Yeah. Um, so I spent um, most of my time. I was living in um, in Asia and traveling through Asia, living in Beijing before that. And I um, I came home and kind of had this realization that I I personally wanted to be home and I wanted to be I wanted to find a way to like really. Um, I don't know, make a difference in the community, like really be part of it. And um, so this is after college. This is after school. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where I think I, I personally gravitated towards food. Um, and I was in, I was in culinary school at that point um, for savory, not for pastry in any way. Mm-hmm. And we, Kim and I kind of connected um, and she was like, yeah, I feel the same way. I want to do something that's really important. And I feel like, I'm I'm just gonna start on ice cream, and I I love this idea. And um, and then I begged her for like a week to to let me work with her, and um, 
And then finally I was and, like... And what was she doing at the time? Was she still at Starbucks? Or she, she she had been working recently at uh, Project Red, which is Bono's um, company that it raises money for a, uh, AIDS relief in Africa. Mm-hmm. And she was almost at the same same spot where she was like, I've been working on this like worldwide initiative for so long and I've, I'm commuting back and forth between um, the Northwest and New York and um, all of this money is going to a different country and I feel like there's so much here that we need to support um, here at home. And um, we kind of got to it. We were like, yeah, let's do this. Let's... Uh, so was this a family get together and did you guys as cousins uh, have, were you pretty tight growing up? Did you spend a lot of time together? Not as much. We're a big family. And so I kind of like, it was almost a cold call. Like, Hey, what are you doing? Um, I'm, I want to go to Portland. Are you still there? And, uh, and it was just serendipity, I think. Um, and it quickly started to make sense. The more we did it, the more like, once we, as soon as we started making the flavors and we start meeting with people like um, Charlie at Woodblock Chocolates or Michael Madigan at Kitchen Crew, and like gathering this community of um, of cool food people, which is not hard to do in Portland. No, not I at mean all. it's really easy. Yeah. It's kind of like if you if you just make the call, they'll answer and they'll probably give you more than you oh, than yeah, you we even envisioned shocked. when you made the call. Yeah, we had like a cool a compl- an unbranded cooler, which probably looked like you know borderline terrorist level <laughs> you're like walking around walking in and they're like cool let's talk like you're going to a rock concert yeah. maybe was that, or like you were you know in the band and you were you were a, a roadie carrying something around so um so how long did it take from there to start to get to the name and to where you had the cart and by the way at that point could you envision anything Close to what has happened. I mean, is that where you, when you first, can you remember Uh, back to when you first talked where you actually, well, maybe we can have a shop, you know, or. No, not at all. Our goal was to have a shop. And honestly, when we built it, we, we designed, the initial design was horrible because we, we put like this, this broken freezer in the front to display ice cream just so that we we would make sure people knew we were selling ice cream Mm -hmm. when they walked by. Um, that's pretty funny when you look at <laughs> what, what, what the experience of walking by now looks yeah, like. It's a lot different. <laughs> I know we had to. We Why had are all to these retrofit. people standing here and yeah. on uh, um, in December at nine o'clock at night? Yeah, yeah. Ice cream. I know. Looking back, we used yeah. It was like 20, 20 square feet of prime real estate in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like this broken down freezer. <laughs> um, well, so yeah, we, I think we learned a lot. Um, but it was always, it was our goal to have this place where, and, you know, like we loved the idea of having these ingredients where people were bringing it in and, um, you know, they'd eat ice cream at that same time. You know, like we'd just, we'd share these stories and this um, this vision of creating something cool in the community. And um, So yeah. when was the first moment that you thought, after you'd done all the work and you thought, man, this, this could develop into something a little bigger than the cart? Because that fasc- <laughs> that still fa- hasn't. <laughs> what fascinates me is that you had to start this without that vi- without seeing what has happened. You yeah. you can only see so much, and who could have envisioned you know three? How many stores do you have in Portland? Three or three? Three, yeah. And one in Los Angeles uh, in year four. Four. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, at what point did you think 
Man, this is really cool, and it might get out of hand. How are we gonna? How are we gonna actually pull this off? We still have. I still haven't set in. I don't think we're still like You're just still holding real. on. And um, anytime there's something, you know, we've been very opportunistic, and uh, and you know, in Northwest Twenty Third, for example, we had no plans of opening that second shop, and um, at that time we only had Alberta, and I was in the back room making all of it, and but this spot came available, and it, it used to be Torrefazione, mm-hmm. which like you know uh, it had this you know like you envision it with the windows wide open and everyone leaning in the windows and talking with each other and um and like that's exactly what we wanted in our ice cream shop and so we we had no money whatsoever but we had to have that spot because it that's what we wanted our ice cream shop to be so did you go out and get investors or is this uh yeah friends uh, and family called up our parents so it's friends and family <laughs> so there's no there's no big uh corporate person standing over your shoulder making you miserable no just kim i yeah. <laughs> well no no you cut that out yeah no <laughs> that's fine but uh okay. we well i know kim she's not miserable she's not making <laughs> she's not making anybody miserable she's a wonderful wonderful no. person and she's been extremely gracious to me and so have you thank you and that's yeah. what that's oh. what i really marvel at because you got to be very busy, yet you're out there doing these things, smiling and and happy, and uh, you have a life. You found a way to do this yeah. and have a life, right? Yeah, I mean, you absolutely. do. I, I I'm on your Facebook. I see you travel a little bit. Yeah, at least have a puppy. Have a pu- What kind of puppy do you have? Newfoundland. Oh, yeah, love those boys. I had I had when I was first when I was in college. We had a, I think it was about a 300 square foot little cottage with. Uh, my girlfriend, we had two Newfoundlands. No, this is in Tucson, Arizona. Oh my gosh. Two Newfoundlands. I can't even imagine. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. We have hair everywhere. Yeah, there I was brush, hair, yeah. hair everywhere in the largest cleanups that you can possibly imagine yeah. in this little yard <laughs> all the time. I'm so it's pretty lots, good at that, though. Lots, I feel like I'm held as a pup. Uh, just over one. Okay. There's months. still a little growth to go then. A little bit. I think he's just getting how, how much wider. Does he weigh? 120. So he's oh, a okay. small one. Yeah, that is a small one. But oh my gosh, the cutest dog in the world. They're they're really sweet. Yeah. They're great. They love to look. They're probably he probably really loves ice cream. I would imagine. Oh, he loves it. Our biggest problem is he he really loves kids. So right now everyone's walking with strollers. Right now, you know, like along the streets. And mm-hmm. whenever he gets an opportunity, he sticks his head in the stroller to like. Oh, that's a little scary for a little kid. It's <laughs> a know, big snow for the parents too. They're just like. Yeah, but like it, I'm so sorry. But just it's a, really it's loves a fluffy, nice-looking yeah. dog. It's not a scary, <laughs> scary-looking animal. Yeah. So, well, well, um, that's cool. So, um, can't you? How did you come up with the name Salt and Straw? What was the idea behind? I think uh, you know we we make ice cream just in really small batches, and we loved that idea of um, just making sure people knew that or you, you know that 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 nod to making everything by hand and. Um, Kind of felt like an ice cream, especially that's kind of gone to the wayside, and and people are don't totally understand um, how much work can go behind it, and how much love you can put behind a single product. And so, salt and straw is kind of a nod to how they used to make ice cream. Mm-hmm. They'd hand churn it with salt and ice, and then before there were even freezers, and then they pack it in the barn with straw around it. So, do you think? Do you think the name has a lot to do with your success? I think it's got a it's a really cool name and. Oh, thank you. It's got a yeah. cachet to it. It's got a Portland vibe to it. So yeah, there's so much that has gone into it. It's really hard to break down your talent, Kim's talent. 
obviously the community. Yeah. So many things. I mean, we've been lucky and we've been so every day we're, we're changing and we're trying to be better. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. And right. You know, like even I would say when you ate that strawberry ice cream, when we were in a cart, it's probably a hundred times different from the way it is today, Mm -hmm. just based on, um, you know, feedback from our and probably the variety too. So oh, yeah. when you first started making ice cream, what was the most unusual flavor that you remember thinking, well, this is unusual. And I, I have to imagine you're thinking, would people, would people buy into this? Yeah. We finally nailed down that pear and blue cheese. I, I remember Which is one, one of my favorites. And, yeah. And I've stood in line at Salt and Straw and had people <laughs> go, pear and blue cheese. Yeah. But it's classic now. Not many people question it being good. Right. I think everyone's just like, oh, yeah, of course it's going to be good. Because it's it's seeped into not only their bloodstreams and their yeah. palates, but it's seeped into people's palates that they understand that that's yeah. probably one of your more mainstream yeah. ice creams now. Yeah, which is cool. I think it's there's a certain level of creative freedom in, in the city to, to try things. And um, if they don't work, you know, we'll get a lot of feedback. But honestly, it's like usually we learn something from it and we can create something even better. And, um, and we can now go back and create f- flavors that are more mainstream, but we can do it in ways that you would never even imagine. Like we just did a, a chocolate chip cookie dough flavor that I think is one of my favorite ice creams in the world. And it's something that I wouldn't even tried, um, four years ago, just cause I don't, I wasn't, we weren't ready. You know, I, we didn't have those skills to do a chocolate chip cookie. I don't dough? think so. Yeah. There's so much required to do it right. What's required to do it right? Just well, I, you know what you're fighting. Point. Yeah, like the biggest problem is that you're fighting like this. Uh, there's a there's a background like everyone who's had chocolate chip cookie dough. They were probably like the last time you had it, you were like ten years old, walking on the pier and Gearheart, you know, and uh, and there's like more than just the flavor that goes into that memory, and I, you know, it's it's a lot to live up to. So you're tapping into. So if you taste something. You're developing something. You taste it, and it doesn't feel like being in the uh, in Gearheart when I was ten. Yeah, you go back to the drawing. It's it's, it's in the heart, especially as much for as the those, palate. Yeah, I think so, especially for those nostalgic flavors. Definitely, that's unbelievable yeah. to me. So how do you get? <laughs> well, no, because then yeah. how do you get from this doesn't taste like that to this does taste like that? So it takes it takes a lot of patience, yeah. and you know you have other things to do rather than just just hone this particular flavor to perfection in your mind. So, yeah, I mean that one, we, I just, I tabled every single year and, um, never didn't, kept on not, not serving it. Um, and it honestly, it took me to, we had to serve a, a, a white cheddar cookie dough in a baked potato flavor first. And that's where I finally figured out how to make, you know, this great cookie dough. So you had to go through a potato to get to cookie dough. (laughs) Oddly enough. And so everything, it's just learning from all these experiences and the people that we're working with, I think. You know, Chris, uh, we had a great experience at Ringside Steakhouse the other night celebrating your birthday. Yes, it was a great way. They gave us, they sat, I was told beforehand it would be kind of, uh, we were getting squeezed in. Yeah, because there were were eight of us and they said, well, it's, you know, it's kind of, kind of a big group. Here's the configuration. I waited till the last minute. It was great. And we were right in front of the fire. It was right in front of the fire. And we had just a, it was a spectacular way. And being the cheap guy that I am. I suggested we all go for uh, the prime Monday prime rib for thirty five bucks, and I thought that you know if you're inviting other people and I'm not 
you know, everybody's coming and paying for themselves. I thought, I'm not asking people to spend a lot to celebrate my birthday no. with me. It was 35 bucks for three courses. I upgraded from the mashed potatoes. You ate with served. a lobster mashed lobster potatoes. Lobster mashed potatoes, man. I kept on looking over and seeing that, yeah, and well, I that, was like, oh, I made a mistake. That's your fault for not sitting next to me, because no. if you'd been next to me, you could have dipped in. It, seriously, if you haven't been to Regenside Steakhouse, this that's the perfect introductory to the to the steakhouse is going on a Monday night and getting the prime rib deal because it comes with the, the mixed greens to start with. Then you get your prime rib with your choice of potato. You went with the the uh, lobster mashed potatoes. I went with french fries because I'm old school and I like to dip it in everything. And then the creme brulee at the end. Yeah, you get that with it. And those aren't the only specials they have. They have the, at Ringside Fish House, they have the half-price wines. I believe that's Sunday night. Yep. So uh, you go to Rings, either of the Ringside websites, Ringside Steakhouse or Ringside Fish House. Dot com. And you Just can slap check that on out the end. all those wonderful things. And then the other thing that we had, too, that can't go without mention are the onion rings. Oh, yes. We had a few orders of onion rings for the table. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the onion rings that James Beard called the best onion rings he's ever had. And I'm going to, I'm going to, not very often that I agree with James Beard because I know so much more. The, the level or the, the <laughs> amount of batter that's on those perfect. things is the perfect amount. I was blown away by it. Great. You mentioned the website, ringsidesteakhouse.com, ringsidefishhouse.com, and that's where you can make your reservations. Was the initial plan to do sort of, and pardon me for saying, but sort of unusual flavors that people were not used to? Um, not particularly. I think um, when we first started, it, we wanted to create something that really, like we wanted to take a lot of these, uh, the, the, the really amazing, fresh, uni- unusual ingredients from the Willamette Valley and showcase them. And um, just through not only like our growth as a company, but also like my learning process personally as a, as a cook, um, we naturally started gravitating and collaborating with, you know, Greg and Gabby at Ox, for example. And, um, you know, they started, they'd be like, why don't you make this, um, you know, this veal stock fudge and you start working on it and you're like, Oh, cool. This is fun. And that's how it kind of, that's the interesting thing about Portland, I think. And I don't know, you can answer this better than I can, but I would guess that if you were to do this in another city where there wasn't that spirit and you weren't hanging out with Greg and Gabby and you weren't meeting Damien and you didn't know the folks at Jacobson Salt so well, because a lot of your ideas have to be uh, spawned by conversations that you're having. Like, hey, let's do this. So you're not only dealing with your own genius but you're dealing with the genius of all these other amazing people in Portland, and mm-hmm. it's all coming through in the form of ice cream. I mean, look at what's very interesting to me is the sandwich invitational at Feast last year, right? You're doing sandwiches. Yeah. Right? It's not the first thing someone would say, you're going to find salt and straws. And it was, I thought your your sandwich was <laughs> one of the, one of the most memorable yeah. it's now what nine months later it's the, certainly the thing I remember the most of all the sandwiches that I had cool um, you. but you're amongst all these people that you know, and some new chefs from out of town I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people from outside of Portland too yeah um, I think it's it's pretty amazing how I think like we we can collect all of these ideas and the, uh, the spirit of the city and the in our ice cream menu and we can change it every single month and keep something really alive um, in our menu. And um, I don't think we would dare open in a city that didn't have that culture. But, you know, you, going down to L.A., it was, 
we were drawn there because it like you start going in and you see these these farmers markets and these chefs and these um artisans and the ingredients and it's just it's really awe-inspiring once you kind of tap into that culture and um i think my favorite part about opening in la too is like there's it's so big and it's so it's the food community is slightly less connected than portland which makes it really exciting for us to almost create this um the soapbox to start telling those stories and a, and a hub yeah, for everybody exactly. to kind of get together. So, yeah. and you've got an, you know, it's interesting because you can connect with chefs in a different way. You're not necessarily competing with them. So, oh, yeah. in Portland, that's not really a huge issue, but you go to LA and if you uh, opened up, you know, a restaurant right next to Animal that was like Animal, uh, that you may not have that relationship. But all of a sudden, this chef at this restaurant is like, hey, there's this really cool Portland ice cream place down the street. Let's let's check that out. And you're probably developing relationships in that way. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to no, put words in your mouth. That's exactly you it. You put ice cream in my mouth. So. No, you said it perfectly. I don't know if I have much. In it. That was, it's exactly that. We're going to take a brief break here and have a quick word from our sponsor, the wonderful people at Whole Foods Market who are supporting our podcast. And we're glad to have Whole Foods Market with us, and one of the things that is very important in what they do in this community of Portland is the relationship that they have with local artisans and local chefs, and uh, that's something they've been doing for a long time. We had Denise Braley, their forager, uh, on this podcast not too long ago, and she discussed how that works at Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods Market started in 1980. We have always worked with producers who are near our stores from the very beginning. So we have been supporting local businesses and local products for 35 years. So we've been driving this bus from the beginning. So we're not jumping on any bandwagon. But ultimately, you know, the difference for us is it's really about the relationship and the partnership more so than just a word. It's, it's got to be fun for you to expand your horizons outside of Portland because you kind of know most everybody in Portland now. So now you've and L.A. is getting yeah. some nice press all of a sudden as a food as a food city. Yeah. It's coming around. There's some amazing food down there. Yeah. Um, I know it's cool to see what people are doing in, in different communities. And I just uh, it's been really, really so, fun. So what's different down there than Portland? What, what do you have to tune your mind as you're flying down there? Uh, and you're thinking, okay, I'm not going to be in Portland. I'm in LA. Here's how I have to approach things. Um, that's a good question. I I don't think there's much difference. So you're at all. So you're just you're running your game plan. Like if you're a call, if you're a quarterback, yeah, you're not looking at the defense. You're just saying, hey, we're going to go. This is our game plan. This is what we do yeah. well, and let's concentrate on this. I don't do. We don't do anything different. The same way we approach chefs or artisans or distilleries or charcuteries it's all the same as we would in portland and um and i i think there's a there's a genuineness to it and it's it's totally well received in in los angeles are you still doing your chef's flavors well right now we're doing um a, we're working with food carts here in portland Oh, cool. Yeah, so kind of like try to take oh, it a, awesome. into a new step, you know? So is that every month, or how often do you change it up? Yeah, every single month we change. And so this month we're doing food carts in Portland, and then next month we've got berry season. So 
Which oh, is so you're, like, do, you're not doing food carts for like a year, a different food cart. Because yeah. I was sitting with Rick last night who's at Lardo, who's doing his chef witch, and I said, that that was one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen. He's got a different sandwich every oh, month. so delicious. And I yeah. said, who else is doing that? And I said, salt and straw is or was. So yeah. have the no, opportunity to ask you. I think what we try and do, it, it's hard to put words to, but basically every single month we have this... I think I want to tell a story and um, I want people who come in to, to learn something about the food community or talk, be talking about something that's really salient to us in the food community. And um, right now I feel like the uh, food carts are at this really interesting intersection um, in Portland and, uh, and they're either, you know, they're going to be pushed one way or the other um, in the sense that we need to start stepping up and supporting them. And, uh, but that, but the irony is that the market is taking it in a different direction. So they're displacing them exactly. for housing that is put there because the food carts were such a an epicenter for activity, and now they're going right. to remove the food carts and put an apartment or apartment complex or a condo complex for people to enjoy food carts that aren't going to be there any longer. Yeah, and these aren't just guys that are just like these are like killer chefs at each of these food carts, like doing something really amazing. And um, so Who are some of the ones that are off the top of your head that are, um, we're working with Viking soul food. Mm-hmm. Um, so just working with them and like talking about these ingredients that are so clean and so um, just unique to, to anything I've used. Um, we're making a, a goat's milk sherbet and a ling- with lingonberry jam. Um, and then she, she's great. I'm glad to see they're back. They closed down for a little bit. Yeah. There. And they've been, you know, they're exactly in that story of moving back and forth and trying to find a spot that can contain their brilliance, I think. <laughs> so I love those guys. Um, Wolf and Bear is just like one of those things that you have to eat whenever you're on Mississippi. What do you have to eat there? Um, I just honestly, a falafel, as long as you've had a couple drinks in you, the falafel is the best thing you've ever eaten. Okay. That's uh, an interesting endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether they're going to be happy or uh, thinking, gee, you need to have a few drinks to... No, but, I, it, but it goes well with alcohol. So. Oh, every I mean, oh yeah, and it goes well all the time. Yeah, um, yeah. We're working with Potato Champion too, which is mm-hmm. kind of a cool like French fry ice cream. Cool mm-hmm. reason to make a French fry ice cream. I'm really bummed that Whiffy's went out of business over there. That would have been a fun one for you. Oh yeah, with I haven't been there in a long time. You, you don't get the opportunity. They're not there any longer. They're gone. Mm. That was one of my favorite late night food cart yeah. opportunities. So, yeah. so while this, while we're there and we're moving around Portland, and uh, I want to get back to some salt and straw, but where are you hanging out in Portland? What's particularly interesting for you right now? Um, been staying a lot in the in like the Fremont neighborhood, both mm-hmm. you know both the east and the west sides. Um, so, uh, there's I'm, like, oh, go ahead. I was going to just ask. Normally, I don't ask because I don't yeah. want to open up for someone to have an uncomfortable moment if they don't particularly enjoy it. But have you been to Pips? Oh yeah, yeah, I, I love Pips. Yeah, it's it's a really fun place, and that little neighborhood is is happening there. Johanna is doing some amazing know, things. It's small wares and little wares, and and uh, oh yeah, you go to Pips and Grand Central and small wares. I think there's so much like self-contained in there. Um, yeah, everything. I, I, I love that street. So where else so. on Fremont? Are you on the little further towards MLK? Yeah, I'm more towards MLK, and um, there's a there's a bar called Free House where mm-hmm. we can bring 
our Jed, our dog into. Mm-hmm. And you just walk through and um, I think it, I, I love that spot. That's probably one of my favorites in town right now. We need to do a, a soundbite, Heather, on dog-friendly dining and drinking. In oh my gosh. It's, I never realized until having a dog how important it is. Yeah, the, Like you want... Well, I find myself at carts when I'm thinking. And last night I went to Lardo because I'm like, where can I go? Because Oakley's been alone all day for the most part. Where can I go hang with him? He has a great time and they feed him some of the little scraps. It's the hardest thing too, right? Because you want to go out. Like you want to walk around and, and, oh. Yeah, the dogs are a good dining companion. I know. And and they're cheap. really my only friend. They're really cheap. Did you just say that? Just joking. What's your girlfriend going to? Oh, well. But I say that about my dog all the time. The, you know, best friend, and you know, yeah. it's a cliche. Yeah. But I honestly mean there's no better companion. <laughs> Someone I'd rather hang with never pisses me off. Never, ever, ever. And always makes me happy and makes I me know. smile. Me so, too. Same thing with ice cream. Yeah. Oh, it, dogs and ice cream. They were destined. Dogs and ice cream, but ice cream makes you happy. What was the first flavor that you made that made you happy? Um, our sea salt and caramel. And it's and uh, that's still your, is that your best seller? Yeah. So, yeah. bing, first I know. one. It was really the first flavor I ever made. <clears throat> and and you've probably revised that a bit since then. Yeah. I mean, we've met with, you know, since then we've met Mark Bitterman and talked about salts for four hours straight, which was a journey. Um, you know, so it it is kind of a, it's been an evolution, but still my favorite i think too that that's a good question so since you you have a you have a celebrity chef status here in portland and that's started to expand um so you met you just mentioned you met mark bitterman are there any other people that you have met that has have been awe-inspiring for you as a result of what you're doing what your what your career has become yeah um and honestly it's just it, between working with everyone, there's so much you pick up. I think there's various skills that I, I've learned from every single person in the city. Um, but are there people outside the city? Like, has Anthony Bourdain come into your shop? Uh, oh, he hasn't yet. We yeah, need to well, get him in. You know, he's coming to Portland. So yeah. someone needs to get on that. It's um, a good question. I think there's so many, like, a especially in Portland, there's so many people that have really been instrumental in everything that I've learned. And I mean, not only, uh, I think Greg Gorday, just working with him and learning, uh, I wouldn't even have touched a, a non-dairy ice cream until meeting with him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Greg and Gabby, we talked about that, like a, a veal stock fudge. I had no idea even how to wrap my mind around different flavored fudges. And um, What's, various, what makes that? What does veal stock do to fudge? Um, I think it added the, like this depth of flavor, but it also was like a non-dairy component in a fudge, which kind of hurt my head when I first started thinking about it. Um, but you start you, you just that that replacement technique and, and figuring out how to how to build a recipe like that. Um, it's it's something that you don't even there's no reason to think about it until you start meeting and hanging out with with people like that are just you know. On you this must other get, level. You must get a lot of suggestions. It must act, yeah. at some point. It's like it's all right. I got I, it. No, I've got a running list though. Do um, you? I always I, I keep a huge list. Yeah, and we're always like tapping in and having fun with them. So, do you refer to that list a lot when you're just looking for inspiration? Take, <clears throat> and how do you find your inspiration? 
Um, yeah, I think constantly looking at a list, but also trying to figure out like starting with a with either a story or a, a specific ingredient and trying to figure out like what what we can do to really make sure we're doing this right. And um, we're doing a strawberry survey next month, for example, and it started in, in a thousand different directions because there's you know all the stuff you can do with with strawberries and strawberry and coconut and strawberry and ginger, which not one of my favorites but you know like all, all these different combinations and um and honestly in this case it just ended up like why no let's how can we make the best strawberry sorbet i've ever had in my life and um sometimes that's how it how it pairs down our friends at san pellegrino would like to shine the spotlight on nastrana chef kathy wims opened what is now one of portland's classics in 2005 to much fanfare Serving classic Italian fare with Northwest inspiration in a beautiful wide open space on Morrison Street in Southeast. Kathy is widely respected as Portland's preeminent Italian chef, which has led to six James Beard Award nominations for Best Chef Northwest. Just opened also a gorgeous new wine bar next door, Enateca Nostrana, featuring a fantastic selections of wines from around the world uh, with some great casual Italian fare. Many of the chefs who've made their marks known in Portland have honed their knowledge and skills in the Nostrana kitchen, including Tommy Habits of Bunk, Johanna Ware, just open, reopening Small Wares, and John Taboda of Luce and also Navarre, just to name a few. Don't forget to enhance your meal the way Italians do with a sparkling bottle of San Pellegrino at Nostrana or anywhere. And check into sanpellegrino.com to see where the best chefs in the world recommend you dine. Here in Portland, San Pellegrino suggests you make a reservation soon to enjoy the best in Portland dining at Nostrana or expand your horizons at Sister Wine Bar Anateca Nostrana. Is it all you? Because let's face it, you're going to like some things that other people don't like. So... Uh, you can put some flavors out there that you think are fantastic, and people are going to be, you know, squinting as they eat it. How do you, how do you ferret out some of the flavors that probably won't be uh, accepted as well as others? And do you care? Do you want to put things out there and stretch people's boundaries anyway, and let them try at least with a spoon when you have the opportunity to sample? Yeah, see what things are like. Well, I think that's. Uh... It's definitely, it's my favorite part about coming in and like even visiting our own shops is that at, at Salt and Straw you go and you, you sample as much as you can. And usually we try and build this this menu that's super cohesive and the seasonal menu of five flavors where you can eat through it and um, you get a full picture of a story. And in this case, you know, food carts or next this month, berries or vegetables or various things. And, uh, and just trying to just trying to to capture that in one menu i think is that's where it becomes more that's where the flavors start coming together and we can go out on a limb on one and then go for a yummy on another and but do you when you when you develop a flavor is there a committee of people who taste each one or people you trust i have a i have a great team but it's usually it comes down to what i want to be eating it's you the the wizard <laughs> behind the curtain we have well, a lot of better, people, though. Yeah, no, but I just, that's a lot of responsibility because, um, you know, you can't have the palate everybody has. Yeah, and people disagree all the time, which is great. But that's not important. 
your no, your I, formula is successful. I'm not trying to. No, no, no. Uh, I think it's great. I I love like I absolutely love flavors that more are divisive and get people talking um, and tasting things that they would never ever get to try. Uh, you know, uh, we have people that come in and this is the only time, first time in their life and the only time in their life they might ever get to eat bone marrow mm-hmm. and they get to eat it in ice cream. And how can you make sure that they they get to sample that and then they can go get their own other flavor. But this is this is kind of that introduction to the food community that we, I don't know, you and I probably take super for granted. Um, uh, I don't, t- you know, you mentioned bone marrow. I've had that in one form with chocolate that I did not like at all. Yeah. It was just that experience. Obviously, the chef who made it loved it. And then I had it a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, Oswaldo at Authentica oh, yeah. made a shrimp dish in uh, sautéed in bone marrow. Yeah. It was, without a doubt, in the last year, the most memorable thing I've put in my mouth and the best shrimp I've ever had. I'm still serving that. I want to go. I don't I think it was on the menu. It was at, uh, it was at the PFA, but oh. I have a feeling that if... Uh, if you told Oswaldo you'd like to try that, he would yeah. probably be on board with that dish. Um, but so anyway, that bone marrow, before I moved to Portland, wasn't something that I was very familiar with. So I've had it in different forms. I'd like to try it in ice cream. Uh, I may or may not like it depending on how it goes. But it's yeah. if, if I'd gone from that first experience, um, I, you know, it probably sent me on the, on the way to not loving it. But... You know, we're experimental here. I I think, yeah. you know, think food is an adventure and you should try new things. And it, yeah, I, I think it's really cool to to have that opportunity. <clears throat> In most cases, I love staying as true to the to the ingredient as possible though. I think if it has if you say it has bone marrow in it, it's it better tastes like bone marrow or if you say it has or, blood in it, or it better enhance, tastes like or at blood. least enhance something else in a in a way that makes the other ingredient better. Absolutely. I and I, not just become a bone marrow unto itself right yeah although that's that's good too yeah we had uh, smoked cherries they're really good so do you get around uh do you i guess you don't anymore did you ever just buy commercial ice cream and i'm a, i'm a big fan of ben and jerry's fish food i mean i have you ever had ben and jerry's fish oh, yeah. Food? oh yeah what do you think of that i'm curious so good 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 i love do you think that i love all ice cream equally the cheapest stuff is has its time and place and so are you still eating it? I mean, you're around ice cream all the time. Yeah. So you're, of course, yeah. And you've been to some of the other shops in Portland, yeah. I would imagine, that are that there are a lot. There are quite a few. Um, I, I think it's cool. I think there's so much to there's so much to discover in ice cream. And, um, you know, at Salt and Straw, we try and, like, we obviously, we have this set of menu that's changing, and um, it changes once a month, and that's it. And other places are able to, they do other things, you know, like maybe they're changing it one flavor every single day, or maybe, you know, these guys are making great cocktails out of their ice cream. And I think it's like, it's really cool to see just the, such different faucets that you can take with it. Chad's doing some great cocktails with yeah, 50 Licks. Absolutely. But, and that's something that I wouldn't even, you know, dare tackle. Right. But you don't mind if so, someone makes a cocktail out of your ice oh, cream. I would, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, and I'm sure you've it. done a little bit of yeah, that. Yeah. And I love, yeah, I love what Chad's doing there too. So it's, it's fun to, it's really cool to see there's so many different things you can do with it. So we were talking about the, vi- the vision of Salt and Straw today that you probably couldn't have had when you started it, right? You probably were saying, yeah. 
So here we are in 2015. You've got three shops in Portland, one in L.A. What vision, do you sit down and think, what could this be in 2020 or 2025? And what, if, if so, what, what do you see? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> sorry. Um, yeah, I think as we move forward, it's really, it's been amazing to see almost this, this power that we've got, that we've built um, in the sense that we can work with people and we can, um, we, these partners that we're, we're taking on and in ingredients, for example, we can really help um, make a difference in their business. And, uh, and I, that's what really, that's what gets me excited um, from a food perspective, just like knowing that um, the support that we have both, you know, being a big customer, but also just like um, helping in any way we can, if, if it's support from a business side or from a hiring side or, you know, just like building that community and, and giving back as much as we've taken um, from the city. And every for every ice cream cone, a portion goes back to the city, back to the community, correct? Yeah, yeah. And we're just constantly finding new ways to do that. And, um, you know, we've got once a year, we put on this really cool series with students where they create all the flavors and um, basically all the proceeds from that go back straight back to the school that created it. And so there's various ways that I think we can kind of take this and really create something special and create it at least be start telling people about why it's important to give back to these schools and why it's so important to support this education. I think it's interesting that I just asked you that question. And most people would say, well, I see X number of stores and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You're still talking about what, what, what started the, the foundation for Salt and Straw, which is community collaboration. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if it's we... What makes this town, it's really what makes this city so unique is... Not that it's nowhere else, yeah. but that it's rampant here. Yeah. Yeah, and people understand it. It just, like, makes sense. So you guys tapped into that and have built a, a wonderful thing. Do you think that you and Kim could have done this together had you been brother and sister? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> Probably. I think so. You think so? It depends We're on the relationship. Pretty, yeah. I, I think th there's a nice thing that you're cousins because <clears> you just, there's a little bit, it's a little different than brother and sister. Although you probably, you're probably feeling like brother and sister now. I mean, you're oh, yeah. tied together forever. Well, we hardly see each other anymore, honestly. How often do you see each other? Uh, that's a joke. Maybe a couple times a week. Oh. We're just like two ships. And are you in communication a lot via oh, yeah. text and email and copying oh, yeah. each other? We're just constantly... Well, we have to have, I wanted to have, the uh, idea was to have both of you on, but you're, I'm so glad you came in. You'll have to get her side of the story next. <laughs> I'm sure it's, I would bet it's similar to your your side of the story. Hopefully. It's just from slightly different angle. We can't ask her about flavors as much as we can ask you, but uh, I think a lot of us are curious as to what that magic, and what you've told us is it's not one thing. It's a lot of different things that that you were cognizant of Thanks. and put in place and have held fast to. Um, speaking of, have you done anything with the folks that hold fast? No, not yet. That would Other be than great. eat there a lot. Yeah, yeah, well, they those guys, you could do some interesting things oh, with yeah. them, I would imagine. Um, I really appreciate you coming in. Um, yeah, thank you. You know, you were talking about doing things that help make everybody a little better collaborations and helping them with their products. You made this podcast right now 
that much better by coming in, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for everything. No, thank you. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 